This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda, and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M Hotels. They're in the tech cities. Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash the journal. Last week, we called our colleague Elliot Brown with a very important question. Elliot, what kind of mattress do you sleep on? Oh, God, I really don't know. It has some springs in it. It's nine years old. I bought it when I, I got to the journal. It's not a foam bed-in-a-box mattress. Huh. Why not? Why are you still using one with springs? Why pay money when you cannot pay money? <laughs> <laughs> Elliot covers money, venture capital investing, and he covers startups like the mattress company Casper. Casper set off a revolution in the mattress world. If you've shopped for a mattress in the last few years or just been on Instagram, you've seen countless companies offering to sell you a mattress delivered in a box to your doorstep. Casper largely popularized that. Last week, Casper went public. And the stock has not done well. Today on the show how the very revolution that Casper set off is coming back to haunt it. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, February 11th. Before Casper started having any problems, it was a pioneer that got its start when five guys met at a co-working space in New York in 2013. The company tells its founding story this way. You had a set of entrepreneurs. They were hanging out in a startup incubator in New York where they all were plotting their next business. And they were spending lots of time sleeping on beanbags and not getting much sleep. Why were they sleeping on beanbags? Apparently, that must have been a thing, you know, seven years ago. I think it's just that this is startup furniture before yoga balls. Mm -hmm. And then they realized that, hey, sleep is really important. This is a big part of our lives. Maybe we can do a business based on that. As the story goes, the question for these five founders became, what sort of business could they create based on sleep? They weren't sure, but they knew there were issues with the sleep industry. What was the state of the industry before Casper started selling its mattresses. And Casper would certainly say it was, you know, sleepy. Uh, <laughs> Good if, one. If that's too tired. <laughs> um, that the second one wasn't intended. <laughs> I think that people didn't like going to mattress stores. Salespeople there work on commissions and really try to put you in the right mattress for you right there then without giving you too much time to, to actually think about it. And then, you know, if you're getting a queen-size mattress, you need a queen-size mattress truck that can hold a queen-size mattress and then have somebody deliver it to your house and drag it up the stairs. And that's very expensive. It can be like $200 of, of just shipping costs. The guy who eventually became CEO of Casper was pretty familiar with these problems. The CEO is Philip Krim. He's a youngish guy, assuming we can say people in their 30s are youngish. I think so. <laughs> yeah, very. And he, before the startup incubator... His job was running an online mattress company. Because of his old job selling mattresses on the web, Krim knew that the online mattress buying experience wasn't great either. The mattresses were still expensive, so was shipping. 
and you didn't even know if you'd like the mattress you ended up with. And if you didn't like it, you'd likely have to pay a couple hundred dollars to return it. So Krim and the team decided that maybe there was a different way, a way to make things cheaper and better for customers. They were an early success case in this world that's now called D2C, direct-to-consumer online sales, where they realized that instead of having a third party, usually in a store that you have to walk into, if you advertise on Facebook and target the right people, then you can cut out a middleman and just have a consumer buy a mattress. The other main pioneer here, you know, before them, was Warby Parker. The glasses company. Right. And they realized that glasses are really expensive because there's some relatively few number of large glasses makers and they can charge a ton. And if we just make our own website and make a cool brand, we can charge a lot less and deliver an equal product and make money. So that was the model that Casper was following. So how did this model apply to Casper? So what they realized is that there's a machine out there that can take foam, compress it, stick it into a box, and then UPS can deliver it to your house, and it costs a lot less. And you can create a website, and if people realize they can get a mattress direct from this website that they can trust to be really comfortable, then they won't have to go to a mattress store. Casper's idea was simple. They just needed to find a factory to make their mattresses and ship them out to customers. But in order for the company to be really successful, it needed to build a brand that would appeal to a particular customer base, young people. This was a time when there were a lot of millennial motifs, when suddenly Brooklyn was filling up with coffee shops, with white subway tile and black grout and mason jar mugs. And on Facebook, you suddenly had all of these brands that were not your parents' brand. You know, this is the new generation that's taking over the workforce, and we'll give them their own new set of brands. Casper set out to market itself as one of these new brands, which it turns out was something the company was really good at. In the past four years, Casper spent more than $400 million putting ads everywhere. You, as a podcast listener, have probably heard a few. Thanks to our sponsor, Casper. Casper sells outrageously comfortable mattresses that help you get your best rest. This episode of Sandra is brought to you by, uh, oh, by Casper. An online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper has a... So many podcast ads. (laughs) (laughs) But their marketing was really good. They hired this branding agency called Red Antler. They got this sort of soothing blue as their brand, sans serif, you know, fonts without little curly cues at the end. A bunch of these things that became really common among virtually every startup that was popping up that was aiming at consumers. Casper hit all those notes very early. They also were pioneers of the venture capital era of the New York City subway, where suddenly these subway cars were filled with Casper ads. The idea is you really just want to break out and have everyone talking about you. And people did talk about it. I mean, I remember this whole genre of unboxing videos on YouTube and Instagram. Hey guys, Nestle here from girlonthemattress.com. So in this video, we are going to unbox the Casper Classic Model Mattress. It's not You know, it was like a meme for a while almost, because it was so funny when it would come out of the box. It would just be like this flat thing that you had to like let air out for a while before it would actually turn into a bed. <laughs> okay, there it goes. It's starting, starting to go. Starting to go there. 
I was going to say like the dinosaur pills that you drop in water and they turn into a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Although the mattresses don't require water. <laughs> but yeah, so it was this cool experience where like it just comes in a box that looks like it could definitely not hold a mattress. And then you open the box and then, you know, a few hours later, like, ta-da, you have a queen-size bed. All the marketing Casper was doing early on started to work. In its first 10 months, the company said it did over $20 million in sales. And Casper's early success caught the eye of investors. Celebrities wanted in, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Ashton Kutcher, and Nas. And so did traditional Silicon Valley investors, who had a lot of money to invest and were looking for new places to put it. There's only so many software companies in the world. So they started to target things that they thought could bring them big returns, you know, maybe not Facebook-style companies, but things that you could give them a little money and they'll explode into a giant company. And so these venture capitalists started to target consumer goods like mattresses to say, well, if we give them money now and that'll seed the, the beginnings of a giant company and they can get great margins selling online. The Silicon Valley funding got Casper a lot of attention. It was named one of Fast Company Magazine's most innovative companies. CNBC put Casper on their Disruptor 50 list. And Time Magazine even featured a Casper mattress on its list of the 25 best inventions of 2015. But underneath all this, the tech money sheen and the slick marketing was the fact that Casper's mattress, the thing they're actually selling, and their business model, weren't particularly unique. Is, is there anything special about what they were doing? No, so, I mean, one of the realizations that I think happened is that what they were doing is using a foam factory and using foam from that factory. And they would go to the factory and say, well, we want these types of foams and let's work together to figure out the best type of sleep experience. But it wasn't their foam and anyone else could basically do the same thing. And it turns out people did. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Welcome back. Casper was doing so well that competitors started popping up eager to get a slice of the business. Some of them were backed by venture capital, but largely it, it was more traditional, just small businesses of people starting their own bed-in-a-box mattress company and coming up with silly names for them. And so here's just a, a list of, of some random ones. Avocado, Tuft & Needle, Lisa with two E's, Nectar, Helix, Purple. Huh, those are all 
mattress companies that just started up. Yeah. And they all were doing bed in a box, which is what this category ended up being called because the bed comes in a box. Some of these companies made the mattresses themselves, but many of them were using the same factories as their competition. It turns out many just go to a mattress maker and the mattress maker then starts printing out mattresses that they make from their own foam with their own materials. So it's really just the brand. Is it really that easy to replicate? Like if I wanted to start a mattress company and call it like Snoozin' Knutsen, like what would I have to do? <laughs> I'll take 10. Um, so you can even Google this and you can go to FXI. It's a foam manufacturer and there's a number of these around the country. And they have their own website where they show you how to make a bed-in-a-box company and you go there and they will handle everything. They will design the mattress for you. They will make it. They'll put your wrapping around it. They'll put it in a box that has your logo on it and then they'll send it to the customer. So really, it doesn't take very much money to start up one of these things. You just need a, you know, a way to find someone to buy your mattress. That's incredible. So if I wanted to start Snooze and Knudsen, I could just call FXI and they would basically do all of the mattress side of the company and all I would have to do is branding and marketing. Yes. We reached out to Casper and the six other mattress companies mentioned in this episode. Four companies got back to us. Helix and Nectar said they do use some of the same factories as other mattress brands. Helix said what makes their company different is a sleep quiz that matches individuals with custom-designed mattresses. And Nectar said its mattresses cost less. Avocado, which pitches itself as an environmentally friendly mattress, says it owns its entire supply chain from the sheep in India that make its wool to a factory in L.A. where its employees make mattresses by hand. Purple also said it uses its own factories. Casper said it was under a quiet period following its IPO and declined to comment. Many of these companies, including Casper, do hold patents on some of their products. Still, the basic concept of hiring a mattress factory to make a mattress was easy to replicate. And so at the peak, you had hundreds of, of, of these things. And the former CEO of Purple said he counted, I think, over 300, including all the people who were doing this on Amazon. And it was over 200 just of the, the pure bed-in-a-box copycats of Casper. 200 copycats of Casper? Now, again, most of these are really small, uh, but some of them became really big, like Walmart made its own brand. Amazon made its own brand. Those are not small companies. No, and so not only do you have all this competition that comes from, because it's so easy to start this, that Snooze and Knudsen's mattresses can be up and running pretty quickly, but you also have big companies that are able to do it on a big scale and undercut. So they don't need a brand. They just want to play on price and, and charge less. And so that really put a lot of pressure on Casper. In response to this increased competition, Casper struck back, using a strategy that might seem counterintuitive given its original business idea. They started opening stores around the country in malls, on streets, where you could go out and test a Casper and buy it. I mean, Warby Parker also did that. They set out to disrupt an industry by starting online only and then expanding into physical space. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a horrible idea. It just requires a whole bunch of new costs that weren't your magic elixir when you first started the company. Those store opening costs added to the other costs Casper faced because of its growing competition. 
In order to differentiate itself, Casper was also pouring money into developing other products, like sheets and pillows, a portable nightlight, even CBD gummies, all to help it become the, quote, Nike of sleep. And the way the company relied on getting customers, the marketing, was also getting more expensive because so many mattress companies were out there fighting over the same ad space. All of this meant that Casper was running low on money, and it started searching for a way to find more cash. Late last year, we've been told that they went around looking for more money from private investors. We don't really know what happened, but they didn't end up raising money from private investors. And, you know, then at the start of this year, when they don't have that much money left on their balance sheet, they filed to go public. And when they filed to go public, they obviously have to release paperwork that describes how the business has been operating. And what did that reveal about Casper's business? So one of the first things to jump out was that this is a company with relatively sizable losses. And not only does it have large losses, but its growth isn't that fast. It's around 20% of revenue growth a year, which is by no means slow. It's, it's much faster than the broad mattress category. But when you don't have anything close to profit, it's not a very good look. Why were they losing so much money? They have really high costs. Uh, and some of those costs are sales and marketing. For the first nine months of 2019, they spent $114 million on sales and marketing. Huh. And, you know, that, that was around a third of their revenue. And that's just a really large amount to be spending. Based on those financial realities, Casper has acknowledged that it won't be profitable anytime soon, which isn't ideal, especially as investors compare it to one of its competitors. Purple also is a bed-in-the-box company. It's newer than Casper. It's already public, and they actually have a very similar amount of revenue, but Purple is growing much faster. It's growing twice as fast as of the, the third quarter of 2019, and Purple actually makes money, or it turned to profit for one quarter. Casper's numbers look a lot worse in a lot of different ways. Why is Purple doing so much better? So the simple answer is that they're spending a lot less on sales and marketing, and they're spending a lot less on overhead. They're spending a lot less on headquarters costs. Casper has a new headquarters in Three World Trade Center, a brand new skyscraper where they took two floors. And Purple's based in Utah, where rents and, and salaries are a lot lower. So Purple's a leaner, meaner competitor, and then they also have a slightly different product where they have this purple top to the mattress that feels a little bit different and has a different squish to it. They do refer to themselves as a comfort technology company. <laughs> I'd have gone with platform, but sure. <laughs> yeah. With its Silicon Valley funding, Casper had been valued at over a billion dollars. But when it filed to go public, it said it would sell shares at a price valuing the company at half of that. A huge loss for Casper's tech investors. What's happening to Casper and its investors is similar to what a lot of Silicon Valley-backed startups are going through lately. I think there's a huge part of the investment world out here that took lots of products and tried to see tech-like valuations in them, even though they weren't tech companies. Investors had really high hopes and assumed that everything would just keep growing to the sky and that margins would get better, that ad rates would go down, but costs go up over time, and it's hard to actually scale these things. And people can come along and copy your same idea. 
And one of the great things about software companies that makes them so enviable and, and has attracted so much money is every time you get a new customer as a software company, you just ship them some code. And that doesn't cost you anything. But every time you make a new mattress, it costs you something. Every time you find a new customer, it costs you something. So it's a lot harder to be a really valuable company if you aren't actually a software company. Sometimes a cool brand isn't enough. And if you're surrounded by 200 competitors, it's really hard to make a lucrative business. After the markets closed today, Casper's stock was down 17% from its IPO price. That's all for today, Tuesday, February 11th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.